Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I am super excited to chat with my friend, Nero Feliciano, today. She is a psychotherapist, she is a speaker, and she has a new book coming out at the beginning of April, and I'm just so excited for you guys to hear from her. So thank you, Nero, for being here. Oh, my pleasure, and it's always good to see you. Yes, you too. Yes, we are also friends in real life, so this is super fun. That's right. All right. So can you tell us a little bit about the book? Because that's what I really want to talk about. I'm so excited for you and I'm excited for this book to get into the hands of people, but particularly, I think it could be a very valuable resource to foster mamas. So can you tell us what it's called and just why you decided to write it? Yeah, the book is called, (laughs) this book won't make you happy, which is not encouraging in and of itself (laughs) a title, but it is about the practices that we know through research foster contentment. And it's, it's really about, and you know, this as a therapist, and I'm sure your practice is reflective of this. We're not getting happier as a culture and our rates of anxiety and depression were going up even prior to COVID. So I pretty much set out to answer the question, or at least begin the discussion on why, when we have all these resources and a million books on how to become happy on happiness, are we not happier? And that the answer is a lot bigger than I thought. It was a lot bigger than I thought. And it has to do with the cultural factors that prevent us from being happy. The definition of happiness that we've kind of ascribed to as rooted in acquisition or achievement and this constant striving. And that, that even could be those boxes that we check in life to have like a partner or family or career, whatever it is. And then when we get there, maybe don't meet our expectations, um, continually pushing us to want more and strive for more and be better and seeing how our sense of worthiness and value are tied to those measures. Obviously we're gonna be <laughs> anxious and depressed because that's a lot for any human. Um, So the book talks about the practices that actually help us step out of that one to identify it so we can see what's going on in our life and where we may fall into those areas. And I know as a therapist who has all this information, it's still a struggle for me. I still fall into those areas. And basically the steps, what we can do to begin practicing those things that root us more in contentment, being happy with who we are and what we have and the life we've been given, even in the challenges, rather than kind of chase this elusive idea of happiness that is making us more stressed out Yes, in a nutshell. I love (laughs) that. I mean, it's so true. And even as you're saying that I'm sitting here going, I can speak for myself as a foster mom, but I know from a lot of the other foster moms that I've chatted with contentment in this season of being a foster parent is a struggle because you're feeling so uncertain all the time. You really do feel like in a sense that your life is not your own, which I know as Christians, we know, you know, that that's kind of um, what we hear from God as Christians, we want to give our lives away. But I think that sometimes in doing that, I hear a lot of people saying like, well, then 
they're like giving up on happiness or they're giving up on joy or contentment because they're like, well, we're just doing too hard. We're just doing too many hard things right now. So what would you say to someone who's kind of in that place where they're like, I don't know, even know if that's available to me right now, if contentment in this hard season is even a thing I could have. Yeah, I would say it is hard, but it is possible. And especially if you're a Christian, it's possible. We can't give up that hope because God can do things that are above our circumstances, you know, that transcend our circumstances. But there's a reason why I started with acceptance as the first practice to contentment. I mean, when we're going through hard, we have to acknowledge hard. We need to sit with the feelings. We need to name them and not resist them trying to be happy because we're not going to get to happiness that way. And I think the first step is to, yeah, I mean, comfort yourself, validate yourself. This is hard. What I'm going through sucks right now. I wish it didn't have to be this way. And that in and of itself can sometimes provide a little bit of a release. We don't realize how often psychologically and mentally we're resisting these emotions because we don't want to have them. You know, so if we can just sit with them for a bit, accept them, then we can maybe try some of the other practices that foster more contentment. And I always go back to when I was writing this book, I was going back to the verse that Paul talks about. I have learned to be content. Content is not a feeling. It's a learned practice and mindset that we can all adapt. And it might take a little time. And it might take a little bit more energy during those times where we're going through stuff, but especially that's why we need to connect with other people who are going through it, which is why you've, what you've done in creating this community is phenomenal because even in that, even in sharing our stories, even in offering comfort to someone else, when we're not feeling content, we can begin to experience some of, some of those feelings of contentment that will arise unexpectedly. Our research says it um, Mm -hmm. in, you know, neuropsychology that help us to feel more content, even in those circumstances. Mm, That's such a good encouragement. And I love that verse too. It's so true. It's the Mm. ongoing learning rather than something we can fully achieve. And I love the way you said, yeah, even I struggle with this sometimes, of course, like as therapists, you know, of course we struggle with the same things that that everyone else does, but just to be able to name it and say, okay, the first step is acceptance and sitting with those hard feelings. And I agree with you so much of the hard parts of foster care. I'm like, no, thank you. No, I want to be just not even thinking about that. I want to compartmentalize that. So what would you advise someone who is like, I know that there are difficult emotions that I should probably be sitting with, but even when I talk to people, they're not sure what that means. Can you tell us what Mm. it means to sit with and be with your emotions? Yeah, I think sometimes it's just naming them, Mm -hmm. putting language to the emotions. I am really frustrated right now. I'm very sad right now. I'm angry. This pisses me off. You know, we can say those things. And actually, because these emotions are so convoluted and interrelated, it's almost like untangling a big ball of yarn. And when we name them, we begin to untangle them and separate them. And then our brain processes them differently, right? So we can move through them faster because all of a sudden we've told our brain, okay, this is what's going on. We don't have to spend all this energy and emotion Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. We're actually figuring that out by naming them. Um, And then it it can release some of the heaviness of it. And it seems like such a simple, basic practice, but Brene Brown just wrote a whole book on it, (laughs) giving language to your experience and emotions and what it does for us in terms of freeing us from them, being able to move on. So I I always say just naming it and then maybe talking to someone who's empathetic Mm -hmm. about what you're feeling in that moment. 
Um, pick the right people because some people are going to give you answers you don't want to hear or <laughs> statements or platitudes. So make sure you, you're careful with who you share that with, with someone you trust um, yeah. and who has empathy. Mm, that's such a good reminder. Yeah, not everyone is worthy of our innermost no. stuff. So picking those people no. wisely is always good advice. You had mentioned talking about some of the cultural factors. And I think there are many um, in the book that you talk about, but just the things that we face in our society today that maybe people weren't dealing with maybe a century ago or even decades ago that we are finding ourselves kind of in or stuck in now that can kind of mm -hmm. keep us away from contentment. So what, what things came up for you as you wrote the book that were cultural? Yeah, I think distraction is a big one. And the fact that it consumes so much of our focus. And when I think about women and men who you're talking about who are going through this foster journey, they have to be worn out at times. They have to be exhausted. And our phones are an easy place to receive that little bit of dopamine that, you know, brings us some pleasure, but it may not be meaningful pleasure. And at the end can really just consume our focus and be a time suck. So I think one, because it's so accessible and easy, it's something we go to. But when we open it up, there's so many dangers associated with it that have to do with comparison, mm -hmm. you know, and really looking at yourself through a lens of comparison, one that is rarely superficial, I mean, usually superficial and curated. Mm -hmm. So we don't really know the real thing, but we begin to then create narratives around that, that reflect back to us, our reality. And our reality then does not look so glamorous, mm -hmm. you know, in that light. So we can end up coming off those times, feeling more anxious, feeling more depressed, feeling more unworthy or dissatisfied and discontent with our life, because it's really usually what we're seeing is not the reality of someone's everyday life, right? It's either, I, I like to say, when people say the highlights, but it's also the lowlights. You know, we hear about when things aren't going wrong and people get support from that, but most of us don't have support in our everyday. Okay. We have to meal plan for like the thousandth time and it's boring and tedious for those things, living that life in the middle. So I think that social media comparison, those are big things. This emphasis on achievement, not only for ourselves, but for our kids in mm -hmm. terms of proving their worth, or maybe us proving our worth in terms of their outcomes. That's a whole new thing, Kathleen, that I know we didn't deal with when, well, I'm older than you, my friend, but I didn't deal with growing up, but I mean, just for an example, the other day I was, I was looking online and someone was not only posting their kids' college acceptances, not just the one, like my kid is going here, my kids have gotten in here, here, they've also been rejected here, here, and here. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if that was not, like, why has this become our normal now, right? Is, are, are, we, are we questioning, you know, yes, this is normal, but is it healthy? Is it serving us? Is it, is it life-giving? It, is it serving the people who we love? Mm -hmm. um, the book talks about those things and my desire, my hope is that people will start questioning and start to think of what is healthy and good for themselves and their family, because it's not a one size fits all life. You know? mm -hmm. That's such a good point. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety reducing email course, all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. 
So what are some ways people can take stock or inventory of some of the things that might be going you know, t- to, to their detriment, like their people are using mm. the internet too much or don't even realize it. Like you said, these things are normal. Now these things are, we all have smartphones. We all have, you know, social media so we can see what everyone else's kids are doing and things like that. And it, bec- it begins to feel normal. So how do we start to look at our lives objectively and just maybe take a step back and say, wait, is this really serving me? How do you know if something's yeah. kind of not That's a great question. And I think, I mean, one, just being mindful of where our time goes is really important. And one of the things I talk about in the book is doing this exercise where we make a list of the most important things in our life. And then we make a list on a daily, you know, take a day of your life. Where does your time go during that day? And how do your lists line up? Because I think we really can find that place of contentment when our lists, they may not be exact, but they somewhat resemble each other, you know, and for, for many of us, right, meal prep, you know, our jobs, even, they may not be the most important thing in our life, but they take a lot of time. But where are those things that are important? You know, I remember one day sitting in my office and thinking, I've talked to eight adolescents today. And when have I spent even an hour with my own child at mm-hmm. home? And that made me take stock and be mindful of, okay, I might not have an hour extra in the day, but I can fit in this 15, 20 minute conversation or this trip to Starbucks with my teenager and be intentional about that. See how you feel after you've spent a considerable amount of time on your phone. Do you feel good? Was that time well used? How many to- how many articles did I read this morning about the Oscars and what happened, you know, between <laughs> my two friends there? Yeah. Uh, like was one article not enough? No, I, I had to read like more of yes. So how do you feel when you come off of that? Just asking those questions can kind of lead us to the answers that will begin to point us in the right direction of becoming more accountable for our time. Okay. I love that. Yeah. That's a really good exercise. I like the lists with the time, like mm. what you say is important to you versus where you spend your time. And even like you said, you might not have the extra hour, but now my intention shifts to now I'm looking for bits of time that I do have to put in for those, those things and people that are the most important things. So that's right. And looking at, um, on your phone, your battery life, where do you spend your time on which apps? Mm. Because we can, it's, it's pretty deceptive how much time goes into certain apps that we don't even realize we're spending that much time there. That was a big reality check for me when I started checking those things. And then I set time limits on them, which helped me to get back some of my time. Cause that was a big one. Like you, like, you know, Oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. I have four kids. I have a job, whatever. Oh, but I had time for this on my I know. phone. <laughs> I had time for right? four hours and 26 minutes on my phone today, apparently. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Or over yeah. the course of a week, gosh, what right. could I be doing with that time? So mm-hmm. just things like that can help us to kind of realign how we're living. And is it reflective of the things that are most meaningful and important to us? Mm. That's a great reminder. Yeah. And I want to ask you too about the social media hiatus that you recently took because yeah. I saw you took a month off social media, right? Yeah. That's I do like that once in a while. Yeah. Goals. I mean, so <laughs> because I honestly, I, I think even amongst, and for sure among the mom community, but among the foster mom community, sometimes there's this like, well, this foster care influencer said this, and this foster mom is doing it this way. And her opinion is this, and it can get to be so much. Like I have to check myself on that. So tell me about your hiatus. And like, what do you recommend if someone's kind of like, all right, I feel like I might need a true reset here, but 
uh, for some reason, I feel like it might not be doable for me. Like I, I work a lot on social media or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And I understand that too. And it really was not the ideal choice, according to my publisher (laughs) for me to come out, (laughs) um, a couple months before the book, but in general, when we're checking our phone often, it does create a low level of anxiety. We're thought switching very quickly and disrupting our focus and not building. We have to think of focus as a muscle. You know, we have to strengthen it or it will be weak and we will lose it. You know, and social media is one of those things that are a quick distraction that we go to because it's accessible, you know, and your brain will kind of take the path of least resistance for to be gratified. So, you know, for me, it was more, I noticed I started measuring my value by metrics. I was looking at other authors who were writing. I was looking at their platforms. Now I have like a very loyal platform, but they're not huge. And that was starting to trip me up. And I stopped focusing on the things that God was saying to me. And that was the big red flag. I was like, why am I listening to these voices over the voice of who my God is and what he said to me, you know? So I shut off the voices. And, you know, again, I have, when I've had clients who've been anxious and they've come in and talked about what they've seen on social media and not being invited to this or not being included to this, we always talk about coming off social media, even for 24 to 48 hours. I have never in all the years I've been doing this, had a client come back, not saying I don't feel better. They're Mm -hmm. always coming back saying, I actually felt a lot better. And Mm -hmm. some have come off for good. So if you can't though, if you can't, one, start small, 24 to 48 hours, or be intentional, create certain times in your day that you're gonna go on social media, define those times and then come off it. And if you can't come off it, it's not because of willpower, it's because we have a dopamine release response to the new information that we get on social media. Delete it on your phone and then reinstall it during those intentional times that you're going back Mm -hmm. on. So um, sometimes it necessitates that type of intervention because it really isn't so much about willpower and discipline. Like we're fighting a neurochemical reaction that is causing us to stay on. Just so crazy because I'm like, I have my oldest is almost 12 and, you mm. know, he doesn't have a smartphone yet, but he has like, you know, the Kindle and he has his yeah. little YouTube that he likes to watch. And I, totally. in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I hope he's not going to be a too addicted to screens. And I'm over here like, oh, I'm on the screen. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like we have to model it too for our kids. Like we do, we do. I say in the book, there's a quote from Emerson that says, what you do speak so loud, I cannot hear what you're saying. Mm. So, I mean, kids have a very sensitive BS meter. They can can call (laughs) it out if they see us. And I mean, we may be scheduling a carpool or like texting for a play date for them, but they just see it as on our phone, you know? So it's sending a, a very specific message. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, that's a good reminder. All right. Well, I want to ask you just as far as foster moms are concerned and Mm. just uncertainty of foster care and just how difficult it can be sometimes, what would be like the one big main takeaway that you would think would be so helpful for that community of mamas from your book and just the work that you've done leading up to your book? You know, I'm not going to pretend to understand what that is like, because I haven't walked through it, but from seeing your journey, it is, I, I just have so much respect for people who are called to this because it, it is heart wrenching and it can be heartbreaking and the uncertainty can be crippling and paralyzing from what I've seen. Honestly, I don't know 
how you navigate that journey without faith. I mean, I know that you can, but to know that what we are not in control of God is, Mm -hmm. and even though we may not see it in the present, he's working it out. I just, let's promote another book. I just got (laughs) this book. Have you read Mark Batterson's In a Pit with the Lion on a Snowy Day? Oh, girlfriend. Good. Yeah. So he's one of my favorites now after I did his 40 day prayer challenge. And I encourage anybody to do that too, because it's amazing. But he talks about what if our greatest miracle is wrapped up in our greatest challenge Mm -hmm. and, and how, when we look at things in the Bible, how these incredible challenges were what brought about the opportunities for the miracle. Mm -hmm. Um, I hold on to that during my times of greatest challenge. So my contentment I mean, at at the end of the day is there. However, for those of us who can't access that readily and even Christians who can't access that readily, people of faith who can't access that readily, we know that these practices in the book do trigger something in our brains neurochemically to help us feel calmer and less anxious. Mm -hmm. So really any of the practices can work. I personally think that somehow accessing gratitude you know, whether it is just looking at, okay, what, what was good today? And, and I love that quote, right? Not all the days are good, but there's something good in all the days, right? Yeah. Some variation of that. We can look at those things. What are some things that you have now that someone else is dreaming about? That's always a good question to kind of put things in perspective. Even the fact that we, that you have kids, so many women struggle with that. Um, even if it's temporary right now be the reason for someone else's gratitude. Sometimes when we can take our eyes off our own selves and step into that place for another foster mom, it -hmm. will bring back feelings of contentment and fulfillment. So the book is actually filled with tons of little practices and suggestions, but the overarching themes on why this will work even in moments of challenge um, for people. So gratitude is one, but connection is a big one. It's, it's the life force of contentment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the way that God has instructed us to live. You know, Jesus was always connecting with people, um, yes. taking his time to self-care. Yes. But that Jesus <laughs> is good at self-care. Yes, but, he was. Um, right. And I know that, that you are big into speaking on that, yes. but also connecting with other people. That's huge. You can't go through that foster journey alone. You mm-hmm. can't, you need the that support. <laughs> You need the encouragement, you need the empathy for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. This has just been such a really enlightening conversation. And I think so helpful to so many, I know helpful to me for sure. So tell us again, the name of your book and where we can find it and when, and where we can find you online to connect with you further. Oh, yay. So um, the book is called This Book Won't Make You Happy, Eight Keys to Finding True Contentment. It's anywhere books are sold right now, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, the indie bookshops uh, site as well. It's going to be local at our bookstore in Ridgefield um, and some other bookstores as well. So you can ask for it at your local bookstore and they can order it for you there as well if you want to shop local. Connect with me on Instagram, neurofeliciano.com. I'm going to be doing a lot on contentment over the next several weeks and probably over my life because it's a lifelong (laughs) practice and also I'm not sure when your episode is coming out but probably close to the book until the 12th I do have bonuses for people who've ordered before April like I think it's the 11th 
Yeah. Uh, one is a video managing anxiety. Some of my best tips for anxiety, oh, a start yeah. to meditation and relaxation breathing. Cause I'm trying to demystify that. It's not as Thank you. complicated <laughs> as people think to get yeah. back our focus. And then there's a, um, a guide it's called satisfied. It's a seven day guide to feeling more contentment, but between you and me, it takes longer than seven days. So it's really more like a seven week guide, but that title it. wasn't as as hey, so. <laughs> whatever gets us there to that place, I'll be, it's all good. That's yeah. right. And I have a blog on psychology today too, so they can find me there. It's called The Good Enough Life. Okay, so, perfect. Yeah, I'm there as well. Awesome. But we'll thank you. Everything no. up so people can find you. Thanks, Kathleen. Okay. And I love what you're doing. I love the support that you're giving, not just foster moms, but foster moms. But it's a message that we really need. And especially with so much anxiety, you offer people such great support and tools to be able to live their life in a beautiful, free way, like the way that God intended. So keep Likewise. going. <laughs> Thank keep you, friend. Going. Thanks for being here.